I'm Mark Peterson, and this is Before, During, and After, a podcast from FEMA. Our nation's roads, waterways, hospitals, and utilities support the millions of activities that people conduct each day to transact business, travel, communicate with friends and family, maintain health and safety, and more. They also include the venues where people gather to learn, worship, shop, or find entertainment. In other words, the heart of our communities. These are all examples of our nation's critical infrastructure system, and most of us couldn't imagine daily life without them. One of FEMA's sister agencies within the Department of Homeland Security, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, is focused on these systems. But within CISA is the Office for Bombing Prevention, which leads and coordinates efforts to protect life and critical infrastructure for specific threats. And by building capabilities within the general public and across the public and private sectors, they work to prevent, protect against, respond to, and mitigate improvised explosive device incidents, or IEDs. And FEMA works hand in hand with CISA to support our consequence management missions for all events. On this episode, we explore how the Office of Bombing Prevention is supporting our communities and emergency managers as they work to understand this threat landscape. Often on the podcast, we have uh, spent a little time learning about some of our uh, sister agencies. And one that we've highlighted in the past is the cybersecurity and infrastructure security, just a really important agency for FEMA as we think about supporting our emergency managers around the country and, and understanding new and evolving threats. And so on this episode, we're excited to invite Darren Flick from the Office of Bombing Prevention at CISA uh, to talk a little bit about that office and how we can coordinate efforts to protect life and critical infrastructure. So, Darren, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks, Mark, for having me. So, Darren, uh, you know, uh, is getting to know you a little bit uh, before we started recording. Tell me a little bit about, you know, your journey to joining CISA. Well, uh, as as we discussed, Mark, uh, you know, it's kind of a, a convoluted one. I was a retired Marine Corps uh, CBRN defense officer and and retired out of the D.C. area. Spent uh, 10 years there working uh, for the Department of Defense and uh, ended up moving back to uh, central Ohio, where I took a job as a local uh, county emergency management agency director. And, and so... Uh, after working that for four years, uh, I had a, a, a close friend that uh, lured me back into the federal government uh, with a remote uh, position that had opened up because of the pandemic. And uh, so I found myself uh, back in the, the federal government working uh, the uh, Office for Bombing Prevention's counter IED mission. So uh, it was it was an interesting uh, kind of journey. And um, I, I will tell you that uh, having spent time at the federal government and then going and working at the state and local level and then coming back to the federal government, uh, it's truly been almost like a, a PhD level uh, education in, in, in how to 
uh, synchronize those efforts between uh, those different levels of the government. So that's kind of that's kind of where I've been and uh, and where I'm at right now. Oh, absolutely! It sounds really interesting and uh, certainly relevant for the audience here. Uh, you know, having that experience as a county emergency manager. So, so tell me a little bit about what the Office uh, for Bombing Prevention does, and and specifically the improvised explosive device you know area that you're in. Sure. OBP, Office for Bombing Prevention uh, here at CISA, uh, you know, primarily focuses uh, our efforts on preventing, protecting, responding to, and mitigating the effects of improvised explosive devices. And and we do that in a number of ways. We've got uh, four branches within the office, a training branch, uh, a data analysis branch, the technical assistance branch that I that I lead. And a strategy branch that focuses on on the coordination of national intergovernmental bombing prevention e- efforts. So, uh, as you can imagine, our training branch uh, delivers quite a bit of training uh, across the the counter IED mission space, uh, and uh, our data analysis branch uh, maintains uh, our information that we gather on. Um, capabilities across the U.S. for uh, our first responder special units and, and things of that nature. And then uh, my branch, the the technical assistance branch, we're a, a kind of a unique entity within the office. Uh, we kind of synchronize and coordinate all the efforts of the other branches uh, with our stakeholders and, and, and partners. So, as uh, as we go out and, and identify um, those stakeholders and partners, uh, we provide them, you know, lists and 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 information on what OBP does, and and helps uh, gather information on those jurisdictions, and use the knowledge that we have uh, of the those jurisdictions to to help align. OBP services to fill any gaps or provide any opportunities to, uh, you know, enhance the capabilities of the uh, counter ID mission in that jurisdiction. So when you're out there talking to partners, you know, who are those specific partners? Uh, what's the target audience that, that you're uh, working towards educating and working with? Yeah, primarily, you know, we, we deal a lot in the public safety, you know, mission space. So a lot of your law enforcement, a lot of your firefighters, uh, a lot of folks on kind of the federal, state, local, tribal, territorial, uh, those entities that are out there on the public safety side. But, um, you know, that's not our sole focus. I mean, we we also try to uh, work with our other public and, and, and private uh, partners out there, like our healthcare, our large venue, those purveyors of, you know, concerts and and sporting events and things of that nature. Mm. So anybody pretty much that's got a um, public safety facing mission, we're here to help support them uh, build those capabilities to counter improvise explosive devices, uh, you know, in that particular uh, area. So it's not just like sort of maybe I'm guessing the obvious public sector ones like police and fire, but but anybody who has sort of like a gathering of the public, 
Is that fair to say? Um, absolutely. Yeah. So yep, absolutely. Are, are you then providing information so that, you know, maybe a, a security group within a, maybe a large building is aware of the threat and, and maybe how to identify it to turn it over to the public sector authorities? Sure. There's there's a whole number of, of ways that we kind of help them. But, uh, you know, awareness really is is kind of that initial, you know, key aspect that we that we try to provide them. You know, some of the some of the indicators and warnings, if you will, of what to look for uh, in, a, in a scenario where you might have had somebody, uh, you know, um, in place in an IED. Uh, we, we talk about all of the different. Um, uh, response mechanisms and that interagency response and, and, and how you coordinate that at the local and, and state levels, which, you know, kind of going back to my previous statement about my job as an EMA director, the first year that I was in that position, uh, I had to really kind of undo some thinking from the federal level because, you know, you have a perception that things are going to happen at the local level um, that really aren't reality in some cases. I mean, there's a lot of counties and, and I'm, I'm only speaking from my experience in Ohio, but there are a lot of counties that just are one person in an EMA office that are, that are, that's trying to handle the, the, the breadth of an EMA mission. And so, you know, you have to really kind of, uh, look at, at, at the federal response and the state response and, and realize, okay, we have all these assets that we can throw at a problem. Can that locality absorb that? How do we provide them the information and the resources that they need without completely inundating them to the point that <laughs> you're causing more problems than, than, you know, what the problem was to begin with. Sure. So, yeah. so we try to work through those issues and uh, provide uh, as much information as we can to help, uh, you know, help those EMAs and those incident commanders kind of coordinate those resources and respond to uh, not just incidents, but also, as we've seen over the past couple of years, just just bomb threats. I mean, those those bomb threats that, uh, you know, keep ticking up and, and, and happening in, in some of our colleges and some of our uh, high schools and things like that. Those are are extraordinarily disruptive, you know, not just uh, in, in the respect that you've you're pulling in law enforcement and fire assets to respond, but also to the, you know, the education of, of, of the, those people that are attending those institutions. So, yeah. uh, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to work through those issues as well and help support those, uh, those schools and, and institutes of higher, higher education with how they will respond to those types of, of incidents so they can get back to normal as quickly as they can. So if you're going to put back on your EMA hat and and think through um, the specific resources that you'd be interested in leveraging from OBP, what would they be? Well, first of all, um, there's quite a there's quite a menu of resources that OBP offers, and it, and it's everywhere from kind of like a 101 level of uh, basic understanding of the IED threat to some some pretty uh, intense uh, courses that we offer on like surveillance detection that that teaches law enforcement what to look for in in a uh, adversary that's you know that may be getting ready to do something in their jurisdiction so so there's a pretty broad spectrum in terms of what we can offer a jurisdiction 
if, as an EMA director, I would certainly start at that 101 level and 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 try to get my you know senior folks across the different public safety entities aware of the threat, aware of the uh, you know the number of incidents that are occurring around the United States and and the acts of you know bombings that have occurred, as well as 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 I mentioned the uh, you know just the um, not in, having a bomb go off, but just the the uh, other things that go along with um, having an incident like that happening in your jurisdiction. So sure. those basic level things, just to build that awareness. And then as as the resources you know become available for those jurisdictions um, to take some of those more advanced courses, certainly leveraging you know some of the the management of, of bombing incidents type courses and and going through some of the terrorist attack cycle courses or getting into some of the bomb making material awareness courses because that's another area that uh, we try to focus on is is trying to ensure that stores that sell uh, explosive precursor uh, material or bomb making materials such as you know exploding powders or um, certain chemicals that you might find in 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 certain industries that could be mixed to make you know explosives. We try to educate those stores on suspicious behavior and suspicious purchasing and things like that, in hopes that you know we can interrupt that that target cycle somewhere other than at <laughs> time of, of of impact, if you will, so that we can uh, you know try to stop things before they actually get started. Wow. I mean, I guess I, that opens sort of my eyes to, to the threat. I mean, it, it certainly seems like it's not just about, you know, educating the responders, but I mean, there are so many people throughout the communities that could maybe intercept the threat before it even becomes something, right? Mark, you, you bring up an, an amazing point because, you know, we've, in in the in OBP, we've we've primarily focused on that uh, that that explosive precursor uh, chemical type seller, if you will. But as we've gotten into this, you know, we start looking at all kinds of other ways to identify that uh, somebody may be doing something or getting ready to do something bad. And 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 to your point, you know, if you look at uh, the Timothy McVeigh, uh, you know, bombing of Oklahoma City and the fact that he had rented a, a trailer that, you know, that, that was used to, to to carry out the attack. And, and there are other instances where, you know, you may be able to identify suspicious behavior that would lead you to interdict something before it happens. So we're looking across the entirety of that, that you know, kind of space to, to see where you can stop something before it happens. Cause you know, if you're waiting to the point where you have a bomb squad going in to defuse something, mm -hmm. there was probably 10 places before that, that you might've had the opportunity to, to, to stop it. So there's a, a lot greater chance of stopping it in those 10 places than just that one. You know, I, I, I can imagine that some of the information might be uh, sensitive in some ways, but is there a way for you to kind of give us some highlights concerning the the overall IED threat um, to locals? And is it different for rural communities versus urban communities? You know, all, all of those different uh, things that weigh into the landscape. Yeah, sure. There, uh, you know, there's, as always, you have the threat of 
your normal terrorist groups such as ISIS or Al-Qaeda or some of these other violent extremist organizations around the world that could eventually or or possibly come here to the United States and and uh, employ a device to to create, you know, whatever it is they want to want to do with it, whether it's targeting critical infrastructure or people or whatever. But, uh, you know, you also got a lot of uh, violent extremist organizations that have been, you know, coming more to the forefront over the past few years that are utilizing things that are not the not necessarily the big splash uh, type events that you saw in the past. Smaller IEDs, smaller um, using fireworks or things of that nature as an IED things of that nature that are that are coming up uh, more and more frequently. Um, I mean, last year we had over 2,500 IED incidents in, in the United States. And uh, those aren't all, you know, it, it, those aren't all devices detonating. Those are the whole gamut of suspicious packages and, and bomb threats and things of that nature. But it's an increase from the year prior. So we are seeing an increase in the number of, of these types of incidents uh, across the U.S. But I think in 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 to your question of you know does does a regional or versus urban or a rural versus urban uh, make a difference? You do see a lot more um, of the exploding type powder uh, events out in rural communities. So your uh, tannerite type things and 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 those exploding targets and and stuff like that. Uh, those tend to to be a little. Uh, more rural, whereas in, in, in your urban environments, as, as I think a lot of people saw um, over the past few years, the use of fireworks and, and Molotov cocktails and things of that nature uh, being used more in an urban environment. So, sure. But but either of those could be used interchangeably. So it's it's, you know, it, although you might see one in some areas that, that are more prevalent, it's certainly uh, can be used anywhere. So, you know, I mean, I'm thinking about the emergency managers, like you said earlier that, uh, you know, in some counties, it's a, it's a one person shop and there's so many threats, right? I mean, and then there's so many ways that, that these emergency managers are thinking about how they're going to, you know, develop partnerships amongst those threats. And they need to learn about, uh, the, the different, tools and resources that are out there, um, such as the Office of Bombing Protection. But how do you deliver the courses? How do you deliver that education? Are you on site or is it virtual? All of the above. So we do on site, um, in person training. Uh, We have a mobile training team that goes out and and can can teach all of these courses uh, in residence, if you will, and in a in a jurisdiction. Um, We also have uh, virtual instructor led courses where we'll do uh, the courses online live with a with an instructor um, that they can they can they can take uh, we also have just regular um, online courses that take your own pace type EMI courses if you will you know uh, that, that people can take so it's truly a a, a mix across media if you will we also offer what's called our empowered trainer course if you will where we go out and we train the trainer if you will and get as many folks as we can across the the nation um sort of for lack of a better word certified to teach our courses and so if you are a you know um 
SWAT team commander in, in Columbus, Ohio, then, and you are become a member of our Empower training program, you can then t- deliver and teach to Columbus SWAT or Columbus PD uh, all of our counter IED courses. So that's another way to get those classes uh, taught across the U.S. You know, so switching gears just a little bit, uh, you know, the multiple threats that we just talked about, I want to talk a little bit about something that has the potential for high consequence management considerations, and that's cyber. And so is there a nexus between the cybersecurity mission of CISA and then the Office of Bombing Prevention, maybe the hardened structure um, protection? Is there a nexus there that you're working through? Absolutely. Um, you know, that 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 nexus between the physical and the cybersecurity realms, although you're not really going to be uh, too concerned with getting blown up in, in cyberspace, uh, if you will, uh, everything that, that cyberspace comprises and, and is able to achieve is through physical type uh, connections. So whether it's you need power to, to power the server farms, you need server farms, you need, you know, key critical uh communication nodes to handle the the internet traffic and, and all of those things that uh, uh, power the cyberspace realm are physical. And so we work hand in hand with, um, you know, the cybersecurity teams and the other critical infrastructure that keeps those going, such as our, our, our power grid folks, and, and help them find ways to harden those facilities and, and and ensure that their security folks understand um, when they may be targeting, getting targeted. And we, you know, work with uh, how they conduct responses to different scenarios and, and things of that nature. So, so yeah, it's it's definitely a, a, a symbiotic relationship between us and, and the cyberspace uh, folks um, to ensure that that, that realm stays uh, viable and, and, and doesn't get taken down on the physical side, uh, affecting all of that. So, all right. So we talked about the threat. We've talked about the courses and the resources that you all can offer, not just the emergency management community, but their partners, uh, across the spectrum. What's the easiest way for our, those partners, our partners to connect with the office of bombing prevention. So each of the, the CISA regions coincide to the, to the FEMA region. So um, we have what are called protective service uh, security advisors that, uh, that are in each of the regions. And um, they are kind of our point person in the regions for folks to reach out to for, for information. So uh, our PSAs, if, if, if any EMA director out there or any training officer or anybody else is interested in, in us coming out and doing anything for them or, or interested in any of our products or anything, uh, I would say the first step would be to contact that PSA. And, and if for some reason, uh, you can't figure out who that is or, or you can't reach them or whatever, uh, we have an, an, an OBP operations, uh, email, which is OBP operations at CISA.gov, uh, that you can send an email to, and, and we will certainly get you linked up with that, that those, regional personnel uh, that can get you what you need and 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 can help schedule anything that uh, you might want. Because as I said, we've got a, a total breadth and depth of classes out there. Um, it's not just for law enforcement, not just first responders, but for pretty much anybody that's interested in, in hardening or 
you know, increasing their capability to counter an improvised explosive device. I'm sure that you all are working on things uh, constantly to improve our safety, um, the way that we respond, the way that we identify the threat. Um, What projects do you have coming down the pike? So we just uh, started a couple different things in the office. Um, I mentioned uh, our data analysis branch uh, and and the fact that they kind of are a repository for our uh, first responder special unit type information uh, from across the the U.S. And that's our SWAT teams, our our bomb teams, our, our explosive detection canine teams, and and our explosive uh, detection dive teams. And uh, so we're modernizing that with uh, a program that here in uh, OBP that's kind of synchronizing not only the information that we're gathering on our first responder special units, but we're also overlaying risk. We're overlaying uh, special events that might be going on and, and kind of visualizing uh, all of that information in, in, in a um, a data tool that allows decision makers to kind of get a bigger picture of the counter IED mission space. So, so that's one of the big things that we're working on. Another is, uh, as I mentioned, uh, I, I, I run the technical assistance branch and, uh, predominantly in the past, we've, you know, basically received, uh, requests for training from the PSAs and, and straight from our, our partners, you know, across all the jurisdictions in, in the U S now we're kind of doing a little more deliberate approach where we're prioritizing threat, special events, critical infrastructure, things of that nature, and creating program plans for those jurisdictions where it might now be a three-year engagement where we're hitting uh, a bunch of different training type events to truly build the capability within that jurisdiction from you know, a nascent uh, nothingness, if you will, to a truly robust capability. And so um, that's another one of the things that we're working on. There's a bunch. I won't keep you here all day on it, but uh, suffice it to say that if I come back next year, there's probably going to be another one that's that's coming up uh, that we're trying to push forward. Fantastic. Well, Darren, I, I really appreciate your time. Really educational for me, and I'm sure for our emergency management community that is, you know, facing a variety of threats. It's really fascinating to hear about the the resources that CISA is building to support everyone. Yeah, thanks, Mark. And, and like I said, uh, you know, the good thing about what we do is, is that if you look at it from an all-hazards response approach, there's a counter-IED nuance to it. But, but a lot of the things that we teach is applicable across almost any hazard that's out there. So if you take an IED, counter-IED course, it's going to it's going to help you across all of your responses so it's not just a completely stovepiped uh, type entity it it truly uh, will build your response capability across uh, all all hazards thanks for listening to this episode of before during and after a podcast from fema if you'd like to learn more about this episode or other topics or have ideas for future episodes visit us at fema.gov slash podcast.